good to be with you. Um, we are, as you all know, at the end of James, right? We've come to the end of the book. We've come to the end of the series. Um, now, this last section, if you were in college and career Bible study with me, it would take us about two to three sessions to get through, because that's what it did back then when we studied it. Uh, but luckily, fortunately, don't get scared. That, that's not going to happen this morning. Um, we're going to just hit it, and we're going <clears> to <throat> move on for it and hopefully wrap up uh, the series that we have been studying. Um, as we know, if you've been through uh, if you've been with us through this series, uh, if you've paid attention, uh, hopefully, to the whole thing, uh, we know that James has been quite upfront, right? His letter has been quite in our face, straight to the point. It's been challenging. It's been confronting. It's been convicting, um, if we actually really take a look at it <clears throat> personally, and especially if you realize he's not speaking to, to outsiders or to unbelievers. He's speaking to us as believers uh, and the church. Um, it's a very direct way, it's a very direct letter of stating to us that if we are believers and if we are followers of Jesus Christ, then these are the areas of our life and faith that we need to focus on, right? That we need to focus on and make sure we live out. Uh, James, you know, he hasn't sugarcoated anything. He's been pretty uh, straightforward and to the point with us the whole time. Now, <clears throat> most of our letters that we see in the New, New, New Testament, most of the epistles, Paul's letters, Peter's letters, John's letters, they usually end with like a nice farewell, you know, salutation, uh, grace and peace, you know, praying for you, pray for me. Uh, James is not that way. He just basically leaves us with this last section and says, mic drop, I'll see you later, you know, and then walks out pretty much. Um, <laughs> so uh, don't don't take that as a knock on James. Don't take that as a knock on us. But I, I think it, it it's apropos that it doesn't end in any other way. Um, but he leaves us with this, this one last message um, that not only summarizes what has already been addressed, what he's already talked about in this letter, but it is another call to our faith in action. Uh, it's another call for us to be active in our faith, another way to put it into practice. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to read that last section. I'm going to share it with you on the screen so you don't have to pull out your Bible at home. Um, should be pretty simple to follow along. I've highlighted the letters in blue. So prayer and com prayer, communion and community is, is what I'm calling this section. I know your subtitles might say a prayer of faith or uh, faith in prayer, etc. But today we're going to look at it from this perspective, communion and community. So with that in mind, let's read it. <clears throat> so is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death 
and will cover a multitude of sins. So we, we see this short passage, this short ending, uh, and it's a call to prayer. Now, when we think of prayer, what normally comes to mind? What are the things that just pop off off the top of our head? Usually the words like petitions, requests, uh, casting all our cares. We think of the Lord's Prayer. Maybe think about talking with God. We think about communication. Maybe the prayer meeting comes to mind. Uh, maybe popcorn prayer uh, for those of us who have been in youth group or in small group. Uh, maybe the words like intercession uh, or maybe a word like thanksgiving, praise. And there's, there's much more, right? We can just go on and on when we think of the things that pop into our mind uh, when it comes to prayer. And all those are good. And there is nothing wrong with those. And, and I would say, you know, keep at it. Keep thinking about how prayer impacts you in those ways and how you think of prayer of that ways. But how often, let's, let me ask you this question. How often do we think about prayer as communion and community, right? Communion with God and community as in coming together and encouraging and caring for one another as believers, as a church, how often do we think about prayer in that way, that it's a way to commune with God, and it's a way to do community uh, with those in the church? And looking at this last section in James, I believe that this is what James is trying to get at when he's talking about prayer. Now, there's a lot of deeper spiritual details that you can go into uh, with these verses, but we're not going to do that today. That's something that we can all do and probably should do on our own time and studying the book of James, because listen, it's so heavy. If you thought we got everything just from going through this series, we're fooling ourselves, right? We, we probably need to go back and be reminded, refreshed. So do that on your own time, and I encourage you to do that. But but the main gist, the, the overall idea of this last section, I think that James is trying to point out, is that prayer is something, when it is put in action by a believer, reflects communion and community. Um and if we look at all the points of the letter, we reflect on, on some of the things that James has talked about. And if we do them in our faith, you think about this, all the things that we've, we've heard sp spoken on from, from John Shetlick to Fred Cozen to Ken Barrett to Gerard to Joey, you know, all those things that they discussed. If we do them in our faith, then they should produce this action of prayer that is part communion and part community. And I think that's James, James is getting at. That's why he leaves it to the last point of his message. It's not something I think just popped in his head and said, hey, let me throw in prayer here. So we end on a, a good note, on a thoughtful note. I think it's, hey, if we're all doing this, this is what we're focused on, and we're living a life of faith like we've just talked about, then prayer is that last action that we should see as a result. Or maybe you would say it's the first action uh, that we should see as a result. So let's break down the two things that we talked about. Let's look at communion first, right? Uh, communion, what do we know? Well, some of us would say, Steve, we just did communion, right? We, we remember the Lord, we took the bread, we took the cup in that way. Yes, that's part of it, but it's not just that. It's not just a meeting. Uh, communion is not just communication, even though the root words are the same. Um, it's a good, yes, communication is involved in communion, but it, it's not just communication. Um, think about it as this way. It's a place or a connection where we feel comfortable exchanging personal thoughts, ideas, problems on a spiritual, mental, or emotional level. I'll read that again. I'll say that again. It's a place or a connection where we feel comfortable exchanging personal thoughts, ideas, 
problems on a spiritual, mental, and emotional level. And in this case, prayer, as we know as a believer, is that exchange that is happening with God, right? When we commune with God in prayer, that is the exchange that is happening. We are doing that with God. And that's what James is saying. You as a believer know who you're talking to, know who you're communing with in prayer. We don't have to break it down and don't have to bring an understanding of that. This is who you're talking to. This is who you're communing when you pray. So when we see verses like verse 13, uh, verse 15, and verse 17 and 18, where we see the example of Elijah, uh, we understand that the ability to pray the way James is saying we should is possible because we have communion with God, because of that communion with God. Now, let's think about some of the things that James has already covered in this letter when it, when it comes to maybe us wanting, us being in that communion with God. Um, just going to hit the highlights, not going to really read the verses. Uh, first off, at the start of the letter, we have counting it all joy in trials because they produce steadfastness. That's in chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, we can ask God for wisdom, and he will give it graciously without reproach. That's in verse 5. God does not tempt us uh, because he can't, and he won't. That's in verse 13. <clears throat> Good gifts come down from the Father of lights, right? And that never changes. He doesn't change in giving us those good gifts. That's verse 17. Uh, the first half of chapter 2 talks about that God, we shouldn't show partiality because God doesn't show partiality. He doesn't show judgment, but he shows mercy towards us. So we should do the same. Uh, so he is merciful towards us. Uh, in chapter 4 and verses 6 and 10, we see that if we draw humbly near to God, he will graciously draw near to us, right? And, and then last week, as we talked about uh, with Joey, that if we are patient on him to act, he will act uh, in a way that is merciful and a way that is compassionate uh, towards us. So think about this. If this is the God that James is describing, if this is the God that we have come to understand through this letter that we worship, that we believe in, and if this is how God has promised to act towards us and for us, then we should feel comfortable with commuting with him, right? If this is who God is, if he is this good, if he is this merciful, if he is this compassionate, if he is this gracious, that he's willing for us to draw near to him, then we should in coming to him in communion. Um, if we are having hard times, and listen, 2020, we can say 2020 has been a hard time, right? Just 2020. Hard time. That could be the title. If you're going to drop an album, 2020, hard times, you know. Uh, Matt, work on that for me, please. Uh, <laughs> give me a little techno beat. I like that. Uh, but think about that. If we, if we are going through hard times, whether they be emotional, mental, physical, etc., we can go directly to him with these problems. And that's what James is saying when he starts out in verse 13. He says, hey, if you're sick, pray, right? If you, if you have good things, praise, you know, pray if you're going through a hard time. If you're suffering, pray. You know, call the elders, pray. Um, so the idea there, yeah. So if we are going through hard times, we can go directly to God. If we have good things happening in our life, we should go directly to God, right? If something's good's happening, let him sing praise. Uh, we can go share good news with God and thanksgiving and praise. In fact, we just spent a whole holiday for that, right? Even though we always say we shouldn't just be thankful on one day a year, but we can share good news with God. So in either condition, good or bad, God is approachable. God is going to listen, and God is going to respond to us 
in his way that is best fit, that is good for us, as James has already told us. Um, and just like Joey shared last week with us and, and how important patience, patience in the Lord is uh, in hard times, so is prayer. Just like being patient in suffering, prayer is just as important in those hard times. If we're waiting on the Lord to act, we should be coming to him, approaching him, wanting him to act. And that's the best way to do it through prayer. So if, if we believe these things about him uh, that we just listed, th then prayer should be our top priority, right? To go before anything else. Prayer is saying, Lord, I'm coming to you because I know I can, because you are approachable. And listen, I don't have the means to get through this. I don't have the means to be healed. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it by my own strength. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need you to act. I need you to help me to be steadfast through this. I need you, et cetera, X, Y, Z. We can list all those things. I need you to help. So we need to remember that, that we can approach God. We can exchange what we're going through with God, good, bad, whatever we're facing. And, and it displays, as James told us back in chapter one, that we have become hearers of the word and that we are patient in waiting for him. We show that we're living out the word and we show that our faith is real, right? And we show that it's, it's not some fake mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all, you know, fairy tale faith. You know, it's not a Disney fairy tale. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Tell me the good things I need to know. I'm going through hard times. I don't want to hear about it. I just want to hear good. No, that's not what we're called to do with our faith. We're called when we're going through those hard times to be honest, to be straightforward, to be upfront, to come to God humbly, to approach him because he is approachable. We think of that verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, where it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We can have communion with God through prayer because how much he cares for us and how much he's willing to act on our behalf. Think about that one friend, right? That one friend that you know real well, that one friend that you go to and share some of your deepest hurts, your deepest, darkest secrets, and also your greatest joys. You tell them before anyone else. And think about how they respond and think about how comfortable you feel going to them. And that's why you keep going back time and time again. Now think about this. God is greater than that friend. God is a greater friend that you can commune with in prayer, right? He is the one who is, is a creator and helping. He just doesn't listen and sympathize and empathize, but he acts for you. Maybe not in a time that you're wanting, um, but in the best time and in the best way that, he's knows, that he knows possible. We, we know the familiar hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? And the opening lines of that hymn are, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, and what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So if we are living this, this life of faith that James has called us to live, if we know that's how we're supposed to be about and we're allowing our faith to be exercised and work out like we've been encouraged to, prayer is a great way to do that. Communing with God, having communion with God through prayer to, to build us up, to encourage us, to keep us going, um, and to help us to get through any trial, but also to give us and to, <clears throat> to bring us joy in thanksgiving and praise, to share with him all our highs and our lows, no matter the situation, no matter the time of day. Uh, we can commune with God in prayer, and we grow closer to him 
as we do it. It comes easier to draw near to him as we do that. So think of prayer as communion with God, not just a 911 helpline, not just a, you know, I'm just going to throw up a lifeline real quick. I'm going to throw up a quickie. Yes, we do that from time to time. We see that's in the Bible. But think about it, that it is a way to commune with God, to approach God at any time, anywhere. So the second thing that we see that I think James is hinting at is that prayer is community. Prayer builds up to builds up community. So what comes to mind when we we think of community? Well, you're like, Steve, we just talked about some of those things in in communion, and you'd be right. So basically, community is this, that we we all have a shared common idea or thoughts or ideas. Uh, Same, different people from different backgrounds come together for a common purpose because they have similar ways of thinking, similar beliefs, so on and so forth. And it's a group that looks out and cares for one another. That's a community. Um, it could be a peer group. It could be a cultural group. It could be an athletic team. It could be, you know, a school group, um, so on and so forth. Ultimately, as we know, it's the church. Church is community, right? The church is to be about community. We are to come together and, and, and not just in meeting form, right? Not just at 1030 on Zoom or, you know, uh, Wednesdays at 7.30 or Thursday mornings at 6.30 or 9.15 or for youth group at, at, on Friday nights. It's, it's not just coming together in scheduled meeting times. Community is supposed to be this thing that, that we can get together whenever and wherever, care for each other whenever and wherever. We don't have to wait for set meeting times. In fact, if we look at the book of Acts, there were no meeting times. When, when things happened, we see they acted. They got together. And obviously, they prayed. One of the first things they did was prayer because they knew as a community they needed to come to God for help and to be built up to continue uh, this thing called the gospel, to to continue this thing that they have been given, uh, this mission that they have been given to proclaim to all the world. So the church, the body of Christ, not the meeting schedule, is to be a community. And, And according to James, once again, we are to build up that community through prayer. Um, I I think this is something we often miss about prayer, right? We we get so caught up in in the petitions and intercedings and even the meetings uh, that sometimes we forget. It's it's actually encouraging, sharing, and being comfortable enough with one another to commune with one another and then ultimately to commune with God for one another on one another's behalf. Um, And we do it not for the good of ourselves, but we do it for the good of each other. We do it for the good of our body, the church, the community. We, we do it for a greater good than us, because we know that if one person, if the church is hurting, we're all going to be hurting. If one person is hurting, we're all going to suffer. That's what Paul writes in, in Corinthians. Um, and consider once again how James has shared with us in this letter how we should treat one another, right? How we should treat others in this community. Uh, we know that we are to be doers of the word, and in so doing there in chapter one, we're to help those in need, especially those who are afflicted. Um, we're not to show partiality, uh, as we saw in James ta- chapter two. We're not to show judgment. We're supposed to show mercy, because as James writes in chapter two and verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, we are to be active and willing to help others through our faith. We see that kind of in, in, in chapter two. Uh, we are to tame our tongue, right? We are to tame our tongue so that we are not cursing others, but that we are blessing, that we are encouraging, that we're building up, that we're praying for others. 
Uh, we're to use wisdom from above uh, towards others not and not use our own or use earthly wisdom. We're not to covet or war with each other because we don't have what someone else has. Um, and that doesn't show that we are friends with God. And, and so think about that. <clears throat> if that's who, our, that's who we are to be to each other, how does that then come out in our prayer? How does that look like in our prayer as a community? And I think James is driving home that if in our faith in Christ, this is how we treat others, especially believers, then praying for others or going to others for prayer should not be hard. It should be almost a second nature. And we see in this final section in this passage that James tells us it starts with the top down, right? If you are sick, call the elders. If you're sick, call the elders. Have them come pray for you. Have them come anoint you with oil. You know, have them come and pray for you. Go to them for prayer. Don't sit there in your room and be like, woe is me. Go to them. They are the leaders of your church. They care for the body. They're supposed to be leading it, helping it, wanting it to grow. So guess what? Go to them. And they are going to pray. I can remember when my father, years, many years ago, was in the hospital with, with his uh, pancreatitis. And I remember Alan, at least, and if it was anybody else, I'm sorry, I forget. It was so long ago. Alan went in, Alan Wilkes went in to pray for my father. Um, and, and that was a beautiful thing. And so we see that kind of being worked out. So if you're sick, if you're going through hard times, if you're going through issues, go to the leadership, go to the elders, let them know they care. They're, they're in charge of this flock. It's a big responsibility, and they want to know how they can help. They want to know what you're going through so that they can come to the Lord on your behalf. But also, we see in verse 13 that prayer is not just for one person to pray to God for their own problems, but I think James is also hinting that we should be praying for others. That idea that if you know someone is sick, you know someone is hurting, they have told you this you should pray for them. If they share with you great news, you should praise the Lord with them, right? It's it's a communal thing. It's a community thing. We're building up one another through prayer. Uh, we think about all the time we've been praying for our Minda, right? Uh, we're praying for our Minda. It's not just Rocco by himself. The whole body is praying for our Minda. And when we hear good news, we praise. And when we hear maybe harder news, we pray all the more. And, and it's a beautiful thing to see community come together through prayer. We also see the harder part that it's a it's a it's a time to confess sins, right? Confess our issues, confess our problems to each other so that we can ask for healing for each other, that we can start the healing process, that we can see people be healed, as, as verse 16 tells us. Prayer is also the opportunity to bring someone who has wandered astray, wandered away from the faith, bring them back to the truth and to show grace and mercy to them and restoring them so that they too can be healed. And that's in, at the end there in verse 520. So prayer is a communal process. Prayer is a community thing. And it starts with caring for each other. It's, it then goes to confessing, to bring healing for and with each other. And then it's also a concern and compassion for those who are really hurting and need help beyond what we may know or we may even understand. Prayer for one another is a powerful way to build community. That's why it says we see there that prayer, the right, the prayer of a righteous man has great power in its working. The Lord is saying, you come to me in prayer, you come to me in belief, you trust me with the problem. There is going to be great power working in this prayer, not yours, mine. And you're going to see it and it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to do exactly what I intended it to do. So we can come, we can build up one another 
with prayer. And, and what James, I think, is suggesting, once again, it's not something that we do at a weekly prayer meeting. We just, you know, not when we get together, have all the prayer requests, take them down and pray. It's not that. It's not just that. That is good. We should do that. Yes. Uh, and it's not just the statement of when someone shares a problem, hey, I'll pray for you. And, and we leave, right? We say, oh, I'll pray for you. And then, you know, we forget. Because uh, if we're honest with ourselves, we probably forget. A lot of times we tell people we're going to pray for them. Uh, and then we go our merry way. It's not just that. But I believe what James is getting at, when the request is made, when, when it's mid-May known to you as a body, as a fellow believer, then it's a momentary urgent act of care and compassion that cannot wait, that cannot be delayed. Pray right there on the spot. If someone says, I'm going through this, say, let's pray. Maybe don't do it right there, like on a street corner, in the middle of a crowd, maybe go somewhere quietly. But right there, start the process, right? Start the process of healing. Start the process of petition and caring for one another through prayer. And prayer, let's let's be honest, prayer is not a time for gossip, right? It's not a time for, for us to come to a prayer meeting or come with requests and say, well, did you hear about so-and-so? They need prayer. Oh, man. Yeah, they really do need prayer. And we start to talk about that person, and we don't really focus on praying for them. We, we sometimes use the prayer time or the prayer request time as a gossip time, which is not what we should be doing. Um, prayer is also not a time for judgment, right? When someone says, hey, pray for so-and-so or pray for this, we shouldn't add extra commentary on what we think they should be doing or how we think they should be living their life. No, this person is coming for mercy and grace, not judgment. And as, as James has told us, mercy triumphs over judgment. And we're not supposed to be showing judgment. We're supposed to be showing mercy and, and not showing partiality. Um, so we shouldn't judge the person or the situation that we're praying for. It is a time to show compassion, a time to show mercy and grace, to bring about healing and to restore or build up the people in this community of Christ called the church. Um, I heard it was said, I heard it said by a, a Christian counselor and pastor, his name is Kyle J. Howard. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, but he shared this one time, and I'm paraphrasing it because I couldn't find it, I'm going to butcher it a little bit. But he says this, one of the reasons many people leave the church is because of no sense of community, and that prayer is relegated to just some individual help hotline and not done in community or a way that brings about community and building up one another. And that's hard, that's hard hitting, right? That, that's hard to hear. And when we think about it, man, how many opportunities have we missed to build up our community in prayer? How many opportunities have we missed to, to help someone heal in our body and a fellow believer through prayer? The way the church community is really built up is through prayer. Prayer together with each other, and prayer for each other. Uh, the singer-songwriter uh, Brad Corrigan, some of you know him, his, his name is Bradigan, uh, he says this in his song, City on a Hill, and I think it really uh, reflects the idea of prayer as communion and prayer as community. I'm just going to share that with you as we close. Uh, so here are the words. It says this, Will you come quick upon the hill? We'll break some bread and we'll all take our fill. We have the greatest reason of all. We'll build a city or we'll fall. Haven't you heard that we are free? Haven't you traced the steps back from Calvary? We have the greatest reason of all. We'll build a city or we'll fall. We'll build a city 
without walls. And, and here's the really cool part. And I think this really drives the point home. <clears throat> so bring all your hammers, your nails, and your tools. Bring all you can spare and what you might use. And now loose your grip. We'll not need our hands today. We'll build the city as we pray. May we build a city. May we build that church community as we pray in communion with God and in community with each other. Um, I'm going to suggest this. You don't have to do this, um, but I, I highly encourage it. When we go into our breakout rooms, and this might be uncomfortable, and this might be really challenging for some of us, but I suggest that we spend time in our breakout sessions today praying for each other. Don't need to do it in such a way where, you know, we have gossip or we have long conversations or we, we judge and have side commentary. No, just let the person make the prayer request and pray for it on the spot. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be, you know, a thousand words or, you know, so biblically, you know, worded. Um, it could just be something simple. It could just be a popcorn prayer. So if, if and, and this might be something that helps us start building our community through prayer, helps us in our communion with God through prayer. May, may we be a church. May we be a people that when we, people say, hey, they act out their faith, they can say, well, they do it because of their communion with God and the way they build up their community in prayer. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are, are thankful for this time. We're thankful for your word. Uh, we're thankful for this this message and this this section on prayer, Lord. And, and we, we just ask right now, as we come before you humbly, um, we pray that you would help us to understand that this is a, the best way to have communion with you and also the best way to build up our community as a church, Lord. Help us to remember that prayer is not just something that we do when we, we are in desperate need of help, but it's something that's supposed to be an open uh, line of communication, an open experience where we, we share uh, everything with you, good or bad, Lord. And then also ultimately where we are able, we feel comfortable and sharing uh, with our local and fellow believers in the body of Christ. So, Lord, help us to be merciful. Help us to be gracious. Help us to be compassionate. Help us not to show partiality or judgment when people come to us in prayer. Help us to be people, your people, who others can come to and share these requests with us because they know that we will bring them before you, that we care for them and we want to see them healed. We want to see them brought back. We want to see them have good things happen to them. So, Lord, help us to be a people that we can come to with prayer requests. Help us to be a people that pray with you as top priority, whether we're suffering or whether we're having a great experience in, in how you're working in our lives. So speak to each and every one of our hearts, Lord, mine especially, uh, and help us to, to see prayer and act out prayer uh, in this way of communion with you and community with each other. We lift up all these things in your name. Amen.